Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. If you are able to tune in to this message, God bless you. And we're welcome. We welcome you. We're glad to have you joining in today for this edition of Covenant Truth Ministries Bible Bites. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. And we're continuing to read through the scriptures this year. Today, my reading is found in uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 21 through 25. And so that's where I'll be reading and uh, commenting on today. And I hope you are finding um, God to be speaking to you in special ways as you also read through the scriptures this year. In Psalm 21, we see that this also is one of David's psalms that he's written. This one was written also as a song for the chief musician, Asaph, at that time. And let's read a few, a uh, couple of verses here. And then as we move through these psalms, we'll read a few verses along. In Psalm 21, verse 3 through 6 is the few verses that I want to read. For you meet him with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. You ask his, he asked, excuse me, he asked life from you and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in your salvation. Honor and majesty you have placed upon him. For you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. I actually read through verse 7. And so, in there, I believe David is speaking of the goodness of God to him uh, as king, for sure. But also, I believe this is prophetic about the coming king, Jesus, when he rules and reigns as king as well. The book of Psalms has a lot of prophecy in it. We're fixing to read about one uh, next here in just a moment. But I also believe that these are written for our comfort as well for us. For instance, verse 3, you meet him with the blessings of goodness. Now, you know, we don't have, we don't go around with a crown of pure gold on our head and we certainly don't deserve it. But God does meet us with the blessings of goodness. How many of us can attest to that fact over and over and over again, how good God has been to us and how good he is to us. Praise his name. In Psalm chapter 22, <clears throat> this whole psalm, is been, it's been dubbed the crucifixion psalm. It's a psalm written by uh, David, and it is also uh, a musical psalm. It's written to be given to the chief musician, and it even, even tells us a tune that it was set to. Now, you know, we don't know that tune, but that was a tune that they obviously had a song to in that day. But I want to just point out something about this psalm. The whole psalm is called the crucifixion psalm for a reason. You will read through and you will find point after point after point. For instance, uh, verse 1, verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, verse 12 through 13. I believe speaking of the satanic realm in that, in that verse, uh, those verses, verse 14, verse 15, 16, 17, and 18 all, the entire psalm, really is mainly referencing the crucifixion when Jesus died for our sins. This is a prophetic psalm in its entirety about Jesus Christ. And, and it, uh, it was written a thousand years before Christ was crucified. And yet notice in this psalm, when you read it, the details 
of crucifixion, and it was 800 years before the Romans ever even instituted crucifixion as a form of punishment. So, um, you know, it just is amazing to me. God prophesied it through the lips of David a thousand years before it came to pass in Jesus' life, and he details it so beautifully. Even in verse 6, let me read this, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. And we see that at the cross. But I want to just focus in on that one word, worm. It's interesting. There is a um, a passage, an article, I believe it is, uh, online that will talk about that and teach you more. I think it's called the gospel in a bug or something like that. But it talks about this worm. And if you look it up in the Hebrew um, language and so forth, you can study more about it. But in this particular worm, um, this worm would die to give life to her babies. The only way her babies could live was for her to die. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He is that worm. He is the one who gave his own life because that's the only way that we can live eternally with God. We can live eternally in beauty and in splendor and not in the uh, evils of doom and torture of hell. He gave his life so that we could have eternal life. And that's what, G, that's what God promised. He loved the world so much that whoever believes in him, in the son that he has sent, that has died for us, just like this, this prophetic psalm talks about in crucifixion, that's Jesus, the one who died for us so that we could live. He is that worm. He is that one who gave his own life so that we could live. Hallelujah. So I just encourage you with this psalm as well. And, and I'll point out also that in verse 24, this is also just as true as all the rest of this psalm, that God did not despise or, uh, nor abhor the affliction of the afflicted, speaking of Jesus when he was on the cross, nor has he hidden his face from him. But I believe rather, it says when he cried out to him, he heard him. I believe rather that God never turned his back on Jesus on that cross, but rather he engulfed him because Jesus, his own son, was offering the perfect sacrifice for sin. And so God came down and received that sacrifice from Jesus. And the proof of that, the proof of that is in the fact that God raised him from the dead. And there's nobody else, no other savior that's been raised from the dead. God approved of the sacrifice that Jesus gave with his own life so that you and I could live. What a beautiful psalm and what a beautiful um, picture of that worm and how Jesus said himself in this psalm prophetically that he was that worm. Hallelujah. And he was. He gave his life so that we would live. Psalm 23. Many of us Many people can quote this psalm in its entirety, or at least portions of it. And, um, and it's a beautiful psalm about the Lord being our shepherd. This is the shepherd psalm, we could call it. It's authored by David, who himself was a shepherd. He knew very well about being shepherd. He knew exactly what a shepherd would do, a shepherd that loved his sheep. And you can connect this chapter with Ezekiel chapter 34, that talks about God being the, the shepherd to his people in the latter part of that chapter. And then in John chapter 10, where Jesus came along and said, I am 
that good shepherd. The one that Ezekiel prophesied about in Ezekiel 34, that's me. I am the good shepherd. The one that David pictured in Psalm 23, that's me. I'm that good shepherd. And so that's uh, the shepherd. It teaches us about what all he does and what a blessed thing he is to the sheep because the sheep are very dumb. Basically, we, we don't know our own way and we tend to wander away and, and run astray. This shows us the beauty of a shepherd, these chapters that I've mentioned <clears throat> and Psalm 23. And the other thing that I wanted to point out about before I leave Psalm 23 is this. There is an importance and there is a principle and there is a beauty and a blessing to memorizing scripture. Let me encourage you today, because when you memorize scripture, it gets down in your heart. It's like you take that seed of the word of God and you plant it in a good soil spot in your heart. And it might lay dormant and it might not look like it's doing very much, but it is. Because, you know, just like in nature, when you plant a seed, there's a lot going on before you ever see the first little tiny sprouting through the earth. There's a lot of stuff going on underneath. That seed has now germinated. It's begun to take roots. It's sent down tap roots. It's building other roots. It's building its foundation. And then it begins to shoot upward and become um, something that we can then see and have evidence of. And so, beloved, when you plant the seed of God's word in you, it will sprout up later on. And it will come up. The Holy Spirit, remember Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit and he said he will bring to your remembrance the things you've studied and the things you've heard. When we plant the word of God inside of us, it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with to bring back up when we need it. Because when we need the word of God, we, we have, if we have it planted in our heart, the Holy Spirit will bring it up as a rhema word, a living word right for that season, right when we need it. So for instance, if you memorize Psalm 23, when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? The Holy Spirit can then bring that scripture right back up to you. And you can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. You see, and it will come up and it will come up living to you and it will give you hope and it will give you strength and it will give you encouragement. So I encourage you memorize scripture memorize scripture. It's like you're feeding yourself that scripture and you are planting it inside your heart and you are watering it and you are cultivating it when you remember those things. And so beloved, I encourage you memorize the scriptures and it will not hurt you at all, but it will do you great good when you will do that. Psalm 24 also is attributed to David as being the author of it. And so he wrote this. Now, this he speaks about in verse 7 through 10. Um, no, I'm sorry. In verse 3 through 5, he speaks about the person who can stand before the Lord, the person who can be in his presence, who can ascend his holy hill. And he talks about this person has to have clean hands and a pure heart, having not lifted his soul up to any idol or sworn deceitfully. And the person who will do that, and that talks about our choices, that talks about us choosing to have clean hands, choosing to live a life that, that of integrity with a pure heart, choosing to not worship or serve any other idol, including our own idols, including ourselves, including um, materialism, or even religion for that matter, or any other form of an idol. 
nor sworn deceitfully. In other words, our yea is yea and our nay is nay. We're true to our word. We speak the truth. Um, we don't we don't lie and we don't deceive. And when when uh, the, a person chooses to live that way, the Bible says he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And we don't even know the extent of all the blessings that that means that will come in our life. But it it all it all will be good. Very, very good. So I encourage you with that. Then verse 7 through 10, I want to read this, um, and we'll be drawing down to a close. We have a little bit in chapter 25. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. This psalm, this portion of this psalm, is really referencing prophetically the day when Jesus Christ comes back to earth to take up his throne in Jerusalem. The eastern or golden gate, whichever you want to call it, Right now in, in Israel, you will notice on the Temple Mount, it is completely closed and it's closed for a reason and it is to remain closed until Jesus comes and, and opens it up. It opens up for him. This is the cry. And I don't know if we'll say it or if God will say it or who will say it. The angels might say it. I don't know. But somebody is going to let this cry go out when Jesus returns to earth and the cry will go out and it will call forth the opening of those gates and the King of glory is going to come in. And hallelujah, we'll be studying about that in my Thy Kingdom Come uh, message, actually probably tonight as well. But this is a prophetic psalm about that day. Hallelujah. And then in Psalm 25, the author here also is David as well. And I want to read verse 4. This reminded me of Moses because Moses made a similar cry. And in the Psalms, it's recorded that, that God did show his ways to Moses. Notice this in verse 4. David is writing, and David has that same heart's desire as Moses did after God. Remember, David's called a man after God's own heart. Verse 4 says in chapter 25, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. In other words, the heart that is hungry after God, we want to know his ways. We want to know who he is and what he's like. And, and we want to go deeper than just see his hand. This is a person who's in love with the Lord and who is crying out. He's after his heart, like Moses and like David was, wanting to know God deeply and intimately. Hallelujah. Verse 7. <clears throat> Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me. For your goodness sake, O Lord, how many of us will also cry that same cry? Because all of us know that we have many sins and many things in our past that we're so thankful God does not remember when we become saved. Once we've repented of those things, they're washed away by the blood of Jesus, and we are free of those. Praise be to God for that. In verse 9, it speaks about the importance of being humble. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. We must remember that, beloved, because God stands opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He teaches the humble. He guides the humble. And so that just speaks to us about the importance of being um, humble. And then lastly, as we close in verse 14, 
I want you to, I want to point out this verse as well. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. Beloved, there's a beauty in fearing the Lord. The Bible speaks about the fear of the Lord in many places, and it's all good. There's a right way to reverence and fear God that is pleasing and that is blessed and that is a blessing. Because here, it even speaks about those secret things. If you really want to know God, if you really want to enjoy the treasures that he has in himself, then you have to be one who is fearing him and who is humble that can approach him and that can be in love with him and be after his heart. You know, later we'll read in Proverbs where, where David's son Solomon writes, it's the glory of, of um, God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings or the glory of people to seek it out, to seek and find. And so these things are for those who fear him those who long for him, those who love him in a place and in a place of reverence where they want all of God that they can get. Beloved, I hope that's you and I hope that's me as well and that we're growing in our love and our desire for more of God. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that you can join me again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you today.